not quite a real decade, but game of 2009 to 2019. And howdy. Merry Christmas, y'all. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, a PlayStation podcast where I, your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, Mr. Saul Bridges, currently finding out what episode it is. 143? 143. That sounds right. Uh, And more importantly, uh, having that little, during the intro roll, having the argument about whether or not it's a decade, which I knew was going to be a hot topic. Is it? Uh, And we will get into that. There's a lot of technicalities. Uh, I've never kept decades this way because technically that is not how a decade is kept, but societally that has changed in the last like couple of, you know, has it? Yeah, but we'll get into that discussion Wait, in a no, minute. Wait, no, no, no. We're going to get into it right now. <laughs> All right, Hold so on. We're going to learn you something on this episode of Triangle Squared. So a decade. Learn you something. Yeah. <laughs> coming from the Greek uh, stuff is set up to be technically a year, uh, a, a period of 10 years that is kept from a year that's ending in a one and then going to a year that's a multiple of 10. So 2001 to 2010 would be the first decade of the 21st century. But what, 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 how is 2000 to 2010 not? Because there's not, there was never a year zero. Ten years is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There eight, is an nine, entirety ten. year. Of year so zero. instead, if you want to go and say, Are well, no, th- now now there is, but that's why the, the the multiple of ten is kept as the cap of ten. It becomes the ten. But we're celebrating technically every game that has happened in the past ten years because January first will be ten years from January first, twenty ten. But twenty eleven to twenty twenty should be all of the two, actual decade. All should be, but all of no, no, 2010 was a year. Now you're fine, but if we're going to do that, by the way, 11 to 12, getting 12, 13, into that, 14, that's 15, why I'm including games 15, from 2009, because 15. if we're counting it as a decade, 2009 to 2019, if we're just going to be loose and say a decade is any 10 year period, then we're going to call it games from 2009 can be included. Okay. That works. That's my twist on it. We are a uh, philosophical and, tr- and PlayStation podcast, Triangle Squared, where you guys can find us every Monday on YouTube <laughs> and podcast services across the world. Look for us around 10 a.m. Pacific time, noon central time, if you're interested in that. That covers most of our time zones. And, uh, yeah, Podbean's a cool website to use us on because they have a comment system on their app, and you can actually comment into the fun if you don't like watching our pretty faces on YouTube. Um, and on top of that, you can always find us on Twitter at Triangle SQRD is our link for that and patreon at nartech just nartech now and uh people are always curious too uh, or if they are and they haven't spoke up about it Uh, our patreon is to do a multitude of things it is realistically to keep this show afloat in terms of equipment costs uh and hosting costs and we're being really real uh but while we're on the topic of that real quick i don't know if saul was going getting to this but I guess since this is our Christmas episode, we should go ahead and say thanks to our patrons for letting our Christmas gift be these nice mic new arms. mic arms that are a lot better than what we had. Um, if you watch the show in like the past three weeks, my mic arm has fallen from my like my mouth area just talking. It, it, it just they also creak really bad. And also something else I did not like about them. These are a little more stable. They actually are a lot more stable. But the other ones would sit there and bounce like this when you're talking, and that's distracting. Yeah. No, I got that. So anyway, thank you guys. Appreciate you. And uh, we have some fun things that we're doing to pay back uh, you people, hopefully, and just in in terms of general spirit. We love you guys. And also, I guess now is a good time to say that our off-topic podcast, Dickish at Best, had an equipment failure for me it's my fault <laughs> but oh yeah that's why we did not have an episode but we're going to remedy that with uh, the one we're recording later today is going to go immediately up as soon as we get done with it uh for everybody <clears throat> including patrons so sorry about that if you enjoy that show but equipment failures happen in adult lives where we work 50 hours a week it's hard to make it back to record something else so well and i'll go ahead and say that the failure happened on my end because we were recording music the night before and I forgot to switch mic cord inputs back around. Oh. So Blaze was sitting there talking a whole episode with no I actually sound. really liked that episode. That episode was fun. I know. I kind of feel bad that it didn't end up sticking around, but there's no way to salvage that episode. We can make a Patreon go, you guys give us $600 a month. I'll go in and add Microsoft Sam to narrate Blaze, like his idea. <laughs> Blaze actually proposed that, and that would take way too long. Fantastic but idea, though, actually. Let's get back on track. Let's start the show off right. I'll tell you guys what I've been playing. Sounds like a plan. Which has been nothing. <laughs> you haven't played any games this week? I played one, and I'm kind of keeping that till next week. You keeping um, them hush hush? Yeah, just because next week we're doing our Game of the Year episode, and I do think it is a worthy mention. Um, but I've fallen in love with the game in the past like week and a half that I've been playing it, because I actually have played it a while now. I just haven't wanted to talk about it on the show to keep some mysterious stuff about my Game of the Year. And 
I love it. So for those that know what I'm playing personally, I think I've mentioned it in Discord once. Um, go go buy it like right now on any system you can get your hands on. Switch is honestly the best system because of the nature of the game for me. But yeah, um, I guess I booted up Death Stranding for like five minutes to show my older brother how far um, gaming technology has come. And I booted up Sea of Thieves for like five minutes too. Um, so yeah, I didn't really play any of one of those games. I, I did tell you, though, that my brother thought Norman Reedus was Leonardo DiCaprio at first, and I could actually see it with the ponytail he had. Because whenever I, whenever I started, I went and got on a bike, and I drove out to like a real nice area, yeah. and I parked it, and then I turned the camera around so you could see the face, and he's like, oh, look, is that Leonardo DiCaprio? I was like, nope, this is Norman Reedus from The Walking Dead. He said, I don't watch that show. <laughs> I was about to say, if you don't know who Norman Reedus is, I could see you just trying to be like, uh... Yeah, that looks kind of like Leonardo DiCaprio. That makes sense. Yeah, the kind of white trashy goatee that he has. Dude, also, would it, wouldn't it be really cool if Leonardo DiCaprio actually did end up in a game? Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that that's like if you tell me that Tom Hanks motion caps for somebody. I'd be like, word, what? Tom Just Hanks should have motion captured for a wizard in a Disney adventure game. That'd be cool. The Grand Master Wizard. <laughs> I don't know if I want Disney messing around with my Tom Hanks. He already does it enough with Toy Story. He could like bestow all kinds of wisdom on you though, and 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 guide you along your. your Couldn't path he do that in a non-wisdom wizard. story? I mean, not a non-Disney story. Aren't eh, these things possibilities? Maybe. maybe he's more pure. What have um, you been playing? You been playing uh, anything at all? The Outer Worlds, uh, more and more and more. Um, haven't I played anything except for the Outer Worlds, actually. Um, or start playing it really. Yeah, anything at all besides the Outer Worlds. I haven't done anything else. Uh, my Switch has been dead for three weeks. Pokemon uh, got traded in because, I, you know, while it's at its most value, I got forty three fifty for Pokemon. So you know what? Dude, Nintendo games are good about that kind of stuff. The There's fact a that promo I'm getting... going on for an extra five dollars for Switch games plus ten like percent. So yeah, uh, I, I got like an extra eight fifty. Yeah, just for those that. three games I'm trading in today. That's going to be thirty three. 33 plus 5, so 38 times 3. That's going to be, what, 116? Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. Um, but to go to the other way of things, uh, actually, to answer, I have played a little bit more. Uh, I ended up trading in. I bought an Xbox One S a couple months ago to be my 4K Blu-ray player. And because of the fact that the PlayStation 4 Pro can't, that's kind of what I had to do in order to get one. At a reasonable price, it could still do a little bit more. So I paid like 110, 124. I can't remember exactly, uh, and got some other stuff. Uh, sadly, it did have roaches in it. <laughs> and one fourteen. Um, that was oh your first one. Well, the, the yeah the one S that I had when I brought it home, I realized that there was uh, roaches in it, which really bummed me out and kind of reinserted why I'd, reasserted why I don't typically buy used consoles and definitely from people. Uh, but I took the whole thing apart and cleaned it out. It's lasted me for months. I play the games on it every now and then. I'd, of course, watch movies on it um, on my beautiful OLED TV. But the opportunity came where I saw some stuff happening in the board, and I looked at some of the deals going on. And with the Xbox One X right now, uh, probably be because of stock, if I'm being honest, and the fact that Microsoft is just trying to get through what they have. They're running a bunch of deals um, where all of the Xbox One X bundles right now are uh, 350 or $150 off. And then also, uh, I think it goes on for a little while longer. Uh, think throughout the game day deals at GameStop, you can get uh, the 2K19 Xbox One X bundle if you can find it for $299. On top of that, anytime you buy an Xbox One X bundle right now, you get at GameStop. If you tell them, you also get a free white Xbox One controller uh, as well, which is a $50 value. So that's kind of cool. So what I did actually was took some stuff that I already wasn't doing anything with. I took my, um, my Xbox one S that I had, I paid so little for and had an extra controller for as well. And I went and traded that in. I got $150 for $160 for it. Um, and because of trade bonus stuff going on. So I got more than I paid for out of it. Uh, trade some games in, I, I was done with death stranding. I, I just don't have the time to platinum that. So I'm not even going to worry about it. Game is fantastic. I don't really intend to play it again. Uh, so traded that in, traded Pokemon in, traded a couple of DualShock fours in because as we've talked about on a couple of episodes ago, I had five of them. Uh, and that was completely unnecessary. And I traded one of my extra DualShock 3s in. Long story short, I ended up with the Gears of War 5 limited edition Xbox One X with an extra controller and still have $20 in trade credit over stuff I wasn't going to use anyway. Um, so that's a pretty sweet setup. And yeah. um, it works out with all of my mindset of 
being deal oriented. So I was like, yeah, that seems like a good deal. If I'm not having to spend any money, I'm getting rid of stuff I already have. And then I also have the Xbox One X to use as trade fodder if I decide to uh, when it comes into getting the Series X or PS5 as it will be. But uh, So I did play Gears of War 5 a little bit just to throw out on there. You know, we always talk about on the show, we don't exist just to I mean, yes, we are a PlayStation podcast. Yes, that is what we are rooted in and what we started this for. And yes, my primary game station is definitely a PlayStation. It's what I primarily use. But... I almost have always had some form of the other consoles. I've had multiple Xbox Ones this generation and just sell them when they sit around a little too much. Microsoft's done better. Games Pass is a better deal. Of course, I have a 4K Blu-ray player out of it too. So there's a lot more reasons for me to have this. And since I didn't have spending money, I liked it. So it just comes down to further reiterating that I'm not going to not get something just because we're a PlayStation podcast. I mean, yeah. We're fans of everything. We just we're bigger fans of PlayStation. And some people don't like that. And to that I say, hey, you know what? If you wanted us to just be pure PlayStation and only play it and just constantly crap on Xbox, sorry. This is not what I intended to do with this. Instead, this is something I just used to give PlayStation praise and criticism as I see fit, uh, for being something I love so much. So anyway, with that said, that is what the other, only other thing I had been playing. So now we're going to go ahead and move over into what we decided to do with this episode uh, for the community's sake is that we knew we were coming up into a game of the decade talk. Uh, so <clears throat> what we decided to do with the community's take question was simple. We will be discussing the game of the decade on our next episode with the twist being games from 2009 included. So what is your game of the decade? That was a question I posed because I mentioned that I don't agree that it's the end of the decade, which is up for grabs. By the way, Saul's going to tell you societally, at some point within the last 30 to 40 years, people started viewing decades by the zero to the nine on a societal standard. Good. So that's why a lot of people see this um, and think that. But just throwing out there, you're not wrong if you think the other way. I'm just being uh, facetious. I'm not really being facetious, yeah. Facetious. Uh, as much as it's just, it kind of blew my mind because when I started seeing a lot of people talk about game of the decade and albums of the decade and stuff, I'm like, it's not a decade yet. <laughs> and regardless of what society does, that's just where my mind ended up on it. And uh, I, I thought that was interesting. But <clears throat> there's a couple of games throughout this uh, that I expected to see. Uh, and I expected to see uh, mentioned a lot. And I think that almost all of you can probably guess what some of those were, whether you agree with them or not, just because of the uh, the scuttlebutt, as they say, that you read on the internet. Um Saul, did you have any games that you thought before we even get into it? Did you have any games that you thought you'd see a lot that you want that you're going to go throw out predictions for to see as a, one of the more primary takes? Red Dead Two and Last of Us. Oh, for okay. sure. <clears throat> Red Dead Two is pretty raw and new, so I was curious how much it would prop up because sometimes, even if you love something, when it's that close, it's hard to give it a comparison to everything else in a decade. Um, so. Interesting. I'm sure we'll see a couple of those. Um, God of War also exists in that. Uh, God of War PS4 exists in that realm for me where I expected to see a lot of it. But at the same time, I didn't know for sure because of the fact that it was a little bit newer as well. Uh, but both of those games obviously had a lot. <clears throat> excuse me. Also, obviously had a lot of uh, talk about them in the industry uh, and from fans and a lot of love given out to them. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and this is going to be a community's take where we don't inject our opinion so much as just give y'all's out so we can kind of get a feel for what the majority of you guys think uh, and go from there because we're about to be talking about ours. So instead of talking about it here, uh, but Mr. Josh over on Facebook says God of War. And that's Josh Drago. Uh, one of our patrons, Josh Ayers, he also mentions God of War. He says, God of War got announced shortly after I found out I was having a child. And I was also at a point where it felt like games didn't really speak to me any anymore. So I think what he's saying is God of War was the game that somehow pulled him back in. And that makes a lot of sense when you find out you're going to be a parent and you have a game that's so focused on being a parent. Uh, and I, c I could definitely see that. I think it that was a one of the games I expected to see a lot of. And uh, to no short surprise, I did. Mr. Jeff Roberts said, Rainbow Six Siege. This game is my go-to for almost any situation. The replayability and friendships I have forged through this game are great. The community is really great, and the developers listen to the needs of the people. I love the thought of going into and looking at a game from not only the game side of it, but also kind of like we talked about with our favorite gaming moments, where it's not necessarily has to be something tied to 
specifically the game and the game only it you can really have some great memories and stuff and great affection towards games because of the other things that they allow you to build like the ability to start a friendship and see a community and look at a developer that is listening and that you end up liking the game more because you see a developer who is intent and ready to listen so even if you have some kind of a qualm with the game you have a feeling in a in a almost like an insurer uh, well, an insurance in you that is like okay well they're gonna fix it they're gonna get around to it uh, and that's great i love that that's a great answer jeff appreciate you buddy yeah i like that game a lot and <clears throat> i can kind of see what you mean there it's one of those that i try to go back to at least once a year and i get kind of heavily involved in it for a while and then i kind of wear myself out on it so i really i really enjoyed that one i think that's a lot like i am with the destiny games because uh, you know I, I played with uh I played with um, Joe and Eric the other day. Yeah. Or actually, I, I was just on the chat and they were playing it and I was playing Outer Worlds. But, um, it, you know, I kind of was talking about like, I, I, it amazes me that they can play that game almost all year round. Uh, I, I can't. I mean, I, I genuinely can't. I'll get really interested in it and jump back in. And then I'll think, okay, I'm going to take a break and then I'll come back to it when this DLC hits. And then I just don't. And. I have no drive to do so, but I'm not beyond thinking that there will be another period in the next six months where for some reason I'm just super into Destiny. It's going to be harder than ever, though, with how many games are releasing early next year, but we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was a little surprised that you didn't really stick back with Destiny as hard as I thought you might. It's like it yeah, hit. Yeah, I'm kind of kind of worn out on it, realistically. And I, they the whole season of Dawning stuff, I'm not doing any of that right now. It'll probably be a while before I go back to it. Oh, yeah, I forgot the season of Dawning is a Christmas event. Anyway, uh, okay, headed over to Twitter. We've got some over there. We have Mr. Exploding Platypus who said Bloodborne, which actually was another game I expected to see plenty of, as well as the other ones that were mentioned, which I'm not surprised literally at all. Uh, we have Derek Dieter who says The Witcher 3. Jason G who says, oh, that's easy. The Witcher 3, obviously. Come on now. Uh, Shadow00 uh, zero, zero says mine is The Witcher 3, of course. Kiki, one of our patrons and good friends, says The Last of Us and has a sassy gif of a lady eating a hot Cheeto, I would say, what that looks like. Or maybe even a normal Cheeto. Uh, but it's not surprising. I know that Kiki loves The Last of Us. Uh, and like Saul said, it's a game that you expect to see a lot in a list like this. So. That is a flaming hot Cheeto, by the way. Well, okay, when I say hot Cheetos, that's what I mean. Is, or, or is there hot Cheetos and then flaming? No, it's just flaming hot. I don't really eat Cheetos. Oh, I'm looking at the bag of the gif. The yeah. Red, red, red and orange bag. Okay, yeah. I, I don't really eat Cheetos, so I mean, chastise love, me if you will. Love me some Cheetos. Uh, our our good buddy Liam out here with the culinary masterpiece of uh, My Name is Mayo. I'm actually curious as to what his real answer would be. And this is one of the times where he chose not to uh, not to delude that it, delusion. Would, perso- would Persona 4 Golden count? Because I would golden? guess Persona 4 Golden or Persona 3. I mean, Persona 4 Golden is technically a remake. I think that it counts enough, right? I guess so. I mean, I don't know. That's like saying, will Final Fantasy 7 remake count for the next generation? Or technically, it'd be this decade. But if we're well, going off of everybody Persona saying, 4 Golden isn't a remake like that. Well, what do you mean? It's just HD remake. No, Persona 4 Golden was remade from the ground up. Was it? Yeah. Oh. What yeah. did Persona 4 originally look like? Go check it out. You I can swear see. I played it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Actually, you know, because I didn't, but I've seen both games, even though I've never really played either game, and it looks like a ground-up remake to me. I, I, and I, there's new features and stuff in it no, uh, dude. that were not in the original. That's all it is, is new features. It, 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 it's it's normal. I don't, I mean, go. We can, we can check that out for sure. If it's a remake from the ground up or not, some, probably, some people are probably yelling at us, like, of course it's an HD remaster, or of course it's from the ground-up remake, but hard to say. I don't I don't know. Yeah, I, I I really um I stand firmly in the camp that it is a full on remake. But I could be also wrong. Uh going on and going through no, it's some just more an enhanced port. of the an enhanced port. So somewhere in the middle. Yeah. That's all well a ground up remake is new engine possibly. Well yeah, but I mean still in a way it's like you're adding new stuff, adding new characters and all these different things. So it's not a direct port, but it's also not a full ground up remake. Because, yeah, I was thinking that I might be... Or I'm not even saying a port. It's not even like a, a a remaster. You know what I mean? Well, I might be thinking of another <laughs> Shin Megami game, but I, I played four, I thought, on PS2. PS2, yeah. But I also might have been thinking of Shin Megami Tensai or something. I don't know. 
Well, is Persona so, part of that series? Yeah, it's like a, much. it's like a sub series of it. Yeah. Kind of like how Nier is a sub series of Dragon Guard. Technically, yeah. yeah, it's all like I, I think it's all in the same universe. All right, we got another one over here. The Grown Gamers says, "Longtime listener from Australia, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, we love our Australian people." Uh, Ask Josh. He shared in the Facebook a great video of a kangaroo chilling out in someone's pool because, unlike here, where it's still not that cold, it's like uh, our summer over there. It's, like it's almost a hundred degrees Fahrenheit. Ridiculous. On the other day, asphalt was melting on the roads australia what are you doing <laughs> anyway he says i'd say the last of us for the decade is a perfect game and for the last year my money is on death stranding as long as you complete it so he went ahead and mentioned what he thinks is his uh game of the year so that's also awesome to see and then one last one we got two games that were really just owning this up joey mcpherson says the last of us 100 before it came out i got gamefly and rented so many games to the point of getting sick of gaming i tried to get into so many games afterwards and i couldn't i thought i was done with gaming picked up the last of us and got hooked immediately those first those first 15 minutes got to me uh and i agree you know i am one of those people that firmly rest on the fact of uh when you look at the last of us i think a lot of people have such a real reaction to it because of the intro. I'm not even kidding. I yeah. think that the intro really hooks people. And I think that there are games that they might even like as much, but they don't really do it so much. Or they're, they're, they don't really, they don't mention them because they couldn't get to the point of where you as a person see it as, you know, there's people that will hear people all day long talk about the Witcher three, but maybe what it is about the Witcher three's opening, which is far more open and potentially confusing. If, if it's not a style of game you've done before, it's, I think that there's a chance that it's harder to pull you in and, and engross you unless what you were looking for in the game or didn't even know you were looking for in the game is freedom. Uh, and to that end, I think the opening is a lot like um, Breath of the Wild, where it's throwing you into a world and kind of just letting you go and be like, hey, here's a kind of sub area of the game that you are confined to until you beat this part of the game and then you go off to the rest of the world. Yeah, That's essentially what The Witcher 3's opening is. Uh, and I think there's plenty of people who love it because they got further in and they have more of that to love. But I think some people probably have a hard time getting past just the opening and uh, who knows Saul's been one of those people that's gone back to the game so many times every time about how far do you get in the Witcher I get a little further each time the last time I, I played it I got all the way past uh, I got into Novigrad like I got past the okay. witches area yeah yeah so I've got you well you weren't yeah you did okay yeah, about mean, 15 maybe 20 hours something like that maybe yeah. I yeah. think maybe a little bit longer because I know the tutorial section technically takes. See, takes you like having five to restart hours. every time means you have to go through that dandelion part over, dandelion and over part and over. Are you talking about the dandelion quest where you have to go to like seven different women and then yeah. it's like, oh yeah, the one that you hate so much. Dude, that, that is the worst quest in any video game I've ever played. Witcher already was getting on my nerves with like weird little fetch quests or weird little go here. Oh, it ain't here. It's over here. And then that was the epitome of it all. Yeah. Fair enough on that. I mean, that I will agree that that is definitely from a replaying it. I would probably hate that quest if I was replaying that. If I if I'd restarted that game four times and never even beat it, I would just be like, "Is this is this my hell? Is this purgatory?" Yeah, that's that's my that's my hell. Is when I die, I got to play that mission every day, twenty four hours without sleep. <laughs> uh, a couple more over on our Discord. Which uh, if you want to go hang out with us, you can uh, click through our Discord on the uh, in the description below. We have yeah. a link. Blake comes out and says, Red Dead 2 and nothing comes close. So there, there goes Saul's mention of Red Dead. I knew at least one person did it. Uh, and then Rude, Co Rude Cold, so Sean, one of our patrons, also says, It has to be The Last of Us largely because it has the best storyline of any game I've played. Also love Witcher 3, but the combat isn't as tight as The Last of Us. Which, I, I just think that that's such an interesting thing to say. I, I know so many people who complain about the gameplay for The Last of Us not being very good, and the only reason it excels is because of the story, and I completely disagree. I, I think that the combat in, in The Last of Us is great. It is not perfect in a realistic sense. It feels like every move is like, okay, you got a little bit of sway, you got to be careful, ammo scarce, you have to make sure that you're making every little bit count, and I love to see somebody actually mention that. I do like the combat in The Witcher 3, I think it's fun. It's um, all right. But a lot of people do think that The Witcher 3, that the one thing that they think would have made it a perfect game on some people I see that don't think of it as one is the combat being a little bit tighter. So, yeah. interesting. I, I really like that response. Uh, thanks, Sean. Mr. Atlas Unchained, one of our other patrons. Thanks, Brian. What's up, buddy? He won, by the way, if you are watching this beautiful episode where we've got our Christmas tree up. Uh, we got some new ornaments and stuff around it, as well as this nice little custom triangle squared ornament that I made. And... Uh, I had some help. I didn't make it by myself. <laughs> Just so that's clear. Um, 
And you know what? Saul was upset that I didn't get him one. So in, I, what I decided to do was I felt bad for him. I got him a single Christmas sock. Why and I really you, thought you would love that. Is this a, oh, I was like, I really thought this was a work sock. <laughs> Yay. Uh, all right. Anyway, so Saul's got one. And of course, whenever we made that and shared it, I didn't get to do it um, early enough like I really hoped I would. Uh, I intended to get these out and give one to every patron, but I just didn't get a chance to get around to it. Um, so I will definitely aim to do that and have those out to every patron by the end of November these, next year. These would actually be pretty cool. Oops. If you just. I know who cut it. I'm not going to say his name. If you had him cut that off and just had this as like a little display stand, oh, yeah. maybe even we can make a little light fixture and have like a little light shine through. I mean, we could do a lot of things. Trust me. We have a... Uh, I didn't know this was available to be done. We have ideas. Trust me. My brain is constantly going. It's just how much time I have. Uh, the other thing, though, is, of course, we did a giveaway for our patrons with the extra one I made. Yeah. <laughs> just hang it from your laptop. I can't. Why not? It's going to scratch my laptop. That's a... Well, it, it really probably wouldn't, but I don't blame you for being worried about it. My laptop screen doesn't even really work anymore, so woe yeah, is no, me. That's crash my laptop, no. Uh, anyway, so I, we did a patron giveaway for these as well, uh, and Atlas Unchained is the one who won it. Who won it? <laughs> won it. God, I've been talking to my little daughter too much. Well, speaking of giveaways, um, since we're pretty much done with the community's take, <laughs> yeah, you can kind of see it there. Um, do you want to get into the 12 Days of Christmas? Well, we can get into that real quick before we go. Um, I've already mentioned it once, but I will go ahead and mention it again. And the other thing I'll mention is this is the last week coming up for you to send us in your list if you haven't yet and you've been wanting to uh, for the Game of the Year stuff. That so, is the next episode, so I need to get that in soon. Is our Game of the Year episode, so if you want to get it in, email your list over to trianglesquaredgoty at gmail.com. And with that, the way that we are doing the list, in case you've forgotten or have missed a couple episodes and coming back in, uh, the first game, one out of ten, you can you can send up to ten games. You don't have to send ten games, uh, but one out of ten, with the game at the number one slot being worth ten points and the game with the number ten slot being one point, and of course it scales down between there to where the second game is nine points, third game is eight points, and so on and so forth. Yeah. So send that over. And what we're going to do is we're going to use those numbers to tally and calculate. The cutoff for that is going to be because we have to record Thursday. The cutoff for that is going to be Tuesday. That's the day after this goes live. Oh, we have to record on Thursday? I will be out of town. Okay. So I hope that, that works. Yeah. Uh, no, I fine. didn't know for sure until like yesterday. That's fine. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway. So with that said, I was just like, wait, did I have something planned for this weekend? Or? No, 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 I, I it's don't. Me. It's me. Uh, I will be out. Uh, so it's fine. We're going to have the episode ready to go and plan uh, for our final episode. But yeah, if you want to get that in, you got an extra essentially 48 hours by the end of Tuesday. I'll use Wednesday to tally everything up and make sure we got everything. And we're going to use that to determine what the community's game of the year is alongside ours like we do every year. Uh, and, of course, give out some other rewards of our own as we're talking um, about games that – things that we love. And uh, there are definitely games that are not quite game of the year but did other things that I think just beautifully. Uh, so I love seeing that. And we're going to have a good time talking about that episode. I'm actually really excited to talk about that because this has been a super weird year for games. And there's been so many good ones in so many different ways that it's just, I am excited to talk about it. Um, but going into what Saul was talking about with the 12 days of Christmas, we've already mentioned it. Uh, and last year I did start it the 12 days before Christmas. Uh, but after I looked into it, just out of curiosity, the 12 days of Christmas actually happened from Christmas and then the 12 days following. Uh, and I never it's knew weird. that. Um, so that's what we're doing this year. It gives me a little bit more time to uh, with things going on. So we're going to have 12 days, 12 items. And what we're going to do is every day starting on Christmas, uh, we're going to put something up. And uh, uh, it may be, I I'll have to look at that. If it's either going to start on Christmas or the day after Christmas. I, I do want to do it to the real 12 days of Christmas. Yeah. I'll have to double check that and be sure exactly which day it is. But with that said, we're going to start on either of those days. So follow us over on Twitter. It's going to be the easiest way for me to do it. There's a lot of tools that help giveaways on Twitter work out. 12. So if you normally go to uh, Facebook for our stuff, if you want to make a Twitter and be part of that, you can. Discord as well. Any of you guys jump over on Twitter. Uh, we're going to be making these posts. Um, and, of course, we're going to have a little little rules. We're going to have fun things every day that I want to do to try and be a little bit more more interactive for these giveaways. To interject, 12 Days of Christmas starts on Christmas Day. Okay, I thought so, but out of curiosity, don't be sure. So on Christmas Day, head over to our Twitter. Look, we're going to have 12 days in a row of items of varying 
things. Some of them are going to be bigger. Some of them are going to be smaller. Some of them are going to be um, a golden I, I'm tickety not, item. I'm not going to say anything too much, but I'm going to let Saul explain his golden ticket thing as much as he wants to. So I have an item in my possession that I don't use often. And instead of selling it or anything like that, I decided that it is the giving season. So you'll be getting the item and the accessories I have with it. If you are a fan of this podcast and this brand, you will enjoy this item thoroughly. Now, the thing is, is I still am unsure how we're going to do this, but you will know if it's yours because we're actually going to try to get a golden ticket made. I, Are we still going to try that? I'm 99% positive that I can do it. Okay. We're going to try to get that to work. Okay. If we can't, well, you'll know. Because now this is going to be a one of a kind Christmas gift. <laughs> like this is going to be one of those. It's like, yeah, this is what this is it. So, uh, be sure to participate, have some fun, and uh, best wishes to anyone who gets it. Okay, I've got the idea. We've we've been talking about this off and on. I, I know the best way to do it. Uh, so we we talked about having the impartial third party, so we, we where we don't know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, what I'm going to do is everything that I send. <clears throat> Everything that I'm, Seth is going to keep up with it. I'm going to ask him if he doesn't mind. Seth is going to keep up with it when it comes time to ship. Um, and I will be out of town for three days, so I won't be able to start shipping the items. I'm still going to do the giveaways. I have the pictures ready and everything. Uh, but once I start shipping the items out. Well, it won't end until the 5th anyways. Exactly. You, you're not going to start shipping stuff out until the 5th, right? Most likely. Okay. But I may ship stuff as it goes, kind of just oh, make okay. it easier where I'm not shipping 12 things in one day. Gotcha. Um, That's also where Patreon money goes. <clears throat> shipping can get expensive. Well, I mean, I, like I said, I cover this, so. Oh, that's um, true. But, yeah, hey, if you want to become a patron and be nice and, <laughs> anyway, uh, all that aside, I, I've got it. So Seth will be our impartial third party. The golden ticket idea, once we get one printed out uh, like we want, uh, what I want to do is have Seth do it to where every day, whenever I go to pack the items, <clears throat> I pack them all up and I leave them open and I say, you know, Seth, have at it. And he'll you, go throw you, the golden you, ticket. You put in. the golden ticket in something. Don't tell me what it is. I'll close it. Whenever we ship them off, we have to wait for the person who got the golden ticket to reach out to us with the picture of the golden ticket. And then we send them the item. Yes. That's how we do it. So please, uh, if, if you are listening and you are a fan of the show and you get the golden ticket, reach out to us ASAP. Yeah. We're, I'll, us I'll have a little contact information on the golden ticket yeah. to make it easier uh, to reach out to us easily. Uh, but let's get started <clears throat> into the main topic. 10 years of games, 11 years kind of, sort of, by y'all's weird standards. 10 years. Um, From 2009 to 2019. That's 11 years. <laughs> we're going to start here. We This is going to be a, a kind of a quick and easy one of kind of thing. I want to know yours. You go first. Because okay. I actually don't know where I think you have a couple guesses. At here's, the, here's the thing. What I'm kind of going to do, because this is a weird. I've been thinking about this a lot all week. Actually. I have too. As we've been going through. I actually eliminated the game that would have won. It, it's something that really ha- has been weighing. And then what's more funny is when I. When I was like, well, you know what? A decade isn't really. So if we're going to play by these weird rules, then we're going to say 2019, <laughs> 2009 or whatever is included. Um, but you get to this point of like, what what should define? And this is something I think that's more about me because of the way that I break things down. What should define a game of the decade? Should it be something that is just, without a doubt, my favorite game of the decade? It, should it be one that I really enjoy that I also think did something that goes beyond just being my favorite? Uh, and I, I, you know, I think it's totally subjective. <clears throat> it is totally up to you and yeah. your reasoning why. Yeah, because you get to this point where there's a games that I really love, even if they're not necessarily my favorite game. They're one of my favorite games, uh, and they have more to them that I think gives them a lot of weight as to why they matter on a sense of being a game of the decade. Because the thing about that is, when you think about a decade, a lot of people look at something that defines a decade, right? Mm-hmm. And when you think about that, people are like, oh, okay, 90s. 90s, you had certain clothes, and hip-hop was in a certain style that it was real big at the time. And you have all these things where when you see it or you hear it, you automatically know, ah, yep, that's either that was either in the 90s or it's inspired by the 90s. So when you hit look clips. at that... Those are 2000s. Oh, boy, hit clips were a wild ride. Uh, but anyway, when you look at those things and you kind of look at that, I think of that to some extent, I have this real urge to want to give this to a game that I not only love, but that I see having a value so far outside of just being a phenomenal game and being one of my favorite games. I think that I want to go towards something that I also think has clearly altered the gaming landscape. See, for me, it's going to be about uh, the experience and the amount of times that I could play it or um, now, that generally interesting. Yeah. 
Because I play, I replay a lot of games. Well, that, that's what I was about to get into. I, I mine the one I'm really thinking that I'm going to. You give played it to, once. Every single one of these games I've only played once. I don't uh, replay I really, games very what often. What game is this? Because I really don't know what this is at that point. Because it's not near. Because you would have grinded for those. Well, now when you say yeah, to be fair, near, near, and near Tomina both are going to be a little bit weird. Near Tomina, I've technically only played once, but I played it through to the platinum, and you don't have to play the game yeah, multiple times. Yeah, but near original near, you had or to. Did you? Actually, yeah, you did because the the no, uh, I don't think you did. No, because if you because you have to get all the endings. Well, technically, I guess depending on how what it means by replaying. Well, that game's a little different because of the way that Near Automata, and we're definitely going to talk about Near Automata in this discussion to some extent. Because the other thing I'm going to do, I'm going to mention games that I think are very good contenders, but are not going to quite make it for a number of reasons. Uh, I'm Nier- going to do that, but only in relation <clears throat> to my answer. Near Automata is really interesting because of the fact that unlike Near before it, where you actually had to replay the game a number of times and do different things to get the different endings, whereas every playthrough was essentially the same up until you got to the very end and it affected the way the very end played out. Um, Near Automata instead opted to have multiple endings, but each ending was like, oh, okay, there's a twist to it. So the second playthrough, you're playing the same story, but through someone else's perspective. Yeah. The third, fourth, and fifth ending are all. New content. Yeah, different games. Entirely new content. So I thought that was a lot more of an interesting idea uh, than... And don't get me wrong, the original Nier I thought was very interesting to go through and do that. And by the way, the original Nier technically would be up for grabs from this. It's 2010. Um, Yeah. Fantastic game. Excuse me. Um, But either way, when I go into this... um, there's plenty of games I love that I've played multiple times, and it's, I think it's going to be weird for people that it's not one of them. Like, I, I love The Last of Us. I, I have too. a hard time I do too. giving it my game of the decade yeah. as much as I love it. The Last of Us, while it is a very good game, it's not one of those that I, <gasps> that I beat and I put the controller down and thought about for days upon days afterwards. It left impact on me, but not like that. Now, I'm going to go back. I did have that effect. See, it did not have that effect. <laughs> but a lot of games have had that effect on me. Near the original Near and Near Automata being both of them. See, Near Automata did. But and we talked about Near Automata for like three weeks <clears throat> after beating it. Where, oh, sure. where The Last of Us, it was kind of like a really good movie where I left and I'm like, I love that movie. I'm gonna buy that when it comes out. And and The Last of Us was pretty much that where I finished it and I was kinda of done with it, but I still kinda of, it lingered on me for a little bit, but not long or not now in depth. In I think, kind of I, think I kinda of know the reason why, right? Because when we're going through this, you're talking about both of us going through Near Automata versus Last of Us. And I will agree, while The Last of Us lingers with me in a very different sense than Near Automata did, I think Near Automata kinda of lingers in your mind for a number of reasons. I think partially it's because of the themes that the game decides to tackle. They're a little bit more grander scheme, whereas like the themes that The Last of Us is really going through is about like like um, uh, parenthood and like you know the it, the theme of loss and losing uh, losing something that you love that you know when you're looking at that you also see somebody become a kind of a rough shell uh, and it's it's a it's an interesting thing because what I love about the last of us, stranding <laughs> what I love about the the last of us though uh, is and I'm not saying that this is the most original story or something like that it, it, the story is a little bit if you really want to think about it, the story can be kind of guessed out. But it's about the performances and everything and the, the writing that leads up to accumulate into the, what the story is as a whole that I think makes the game. When people say story, I think what they really mean is the campaign of the game from a narrative perspective is very, very good. And I do agree it is among the best ones, in my opinion. Uh, but when you look at that, the the game does a lot of things in the game design side that I do want to give it credit for that it mirrors. You have uh, the beginning of something where you see Joel as the, and I'm not going to go into too much spo- spoiler territory. This is very overarching things. Yeah, but when you look at the second yeah, one. when you look at Joel at the beginning of the game, he is not at all what you see after this 20 year gap. You see a Joel who's kind of carefree and and works hard, comes home, loves his daughter all this stuff. And then when this 20 year gap hit hits and you see it, when you come back to him, suddenly he's a hardened thing, but he hardened right alongside the world. Yeah. And so seeing that kind of setting come up and then, and then having that mirrored through the gameplay where at the beginning of the game, you're playing as his daughter and uh, she doesn't really control that smoothly. You can't really do a lot. You're kind of confusing the way things are going. You're not real, you know, set up in it. And then when you start taking over and controlling as Joel at the beginning of the game, you don't have as much of this either. And the game makes it weighty on you by you're carrying your daughter. You're doing all these different things. You're running around. You have people with you that you're worried about uh, and you're not used to this world just yet. So when you're going through it, it's like the game is kind of 
weighing you down in a sense so that it gives you that much more impact. And then you get into this new thing and you're freer in the sense of you don't have as many people around you or with you that you're technically always as worried about, but you're weighed down more emotionally by the things that happened in the pre- predecessor thing. The Last of Us does a lot of things thematically that I, that I love. Yeah. But going back to the near Automata real quick, um, as much as those scenes in The Last of Us were, were interesting, and I do think that they're very human in a lot of ways, they're things that you see in a lot of other media and because of the thing that they're just kind of overarching, it's not questioning what something is as much as like, oh, this is love. This is just showing you thematically what love can be. And you can understand that as a human who experiences a range of emotions. Whereas Nier Automata comes up and it starts doing this thing where it's like, well, now the game is kind of choosing to be philosophical with you in a lot of ways. Yeah, And it kind of it goes, okay, as you start playing, kind of gets this thing of going, well, what does it mean to be human? Like, you know, who are we to say what is isn't what is and isn't human? Do, I mean, technically, we can say it based off of the real meaning of, well, are you uh, homo erectus? You know, or are you what we consider to be a human? Or I'm homo do we, <laughs> Or do you look at this as a situation where you go, well, okay, we as a people have constantly anthropomorphized things. We look at animals, and what we do is we give them what we consider to be human qualities, but clearly they're not human. But... They are human enough that you get past that weird stage. Some people don't. There are a couple people who actually have a huge problems with anthropomorphized things. Um, World End, whenever he, he he used to be one of them, he didn't like anthropomorphized things. I love them, uh, but it's kind of what makes like animated movies work. Is like you see human nature being mirrored through something that's not normally human, uh, and I think that if, seeing those things is great. So when you put that same idea onto a robot who's constantly saying how they're not human, but then you're also constantly seeing them do things that further push like you, but you are being human in these moments. You're almost programmed in a sense to think of yourself as not human, but you're constantly contradicting it. If you had to pick to remove the one of those two games from history, which one would you pick? Don't even remotely hit me with that. You know how hard of an answer that is? Uh, it's not hard for me at all. I would remove near or uh, who? No, nope. The exact opposite. <laughs> I'll remove the Last of Us. Okay, we're gonna go back in, and then we're gonna keep going with the games that we talk about. But to finish up this discussion about these two games in particular. Why that answer is so hard is because going back to what I said a little bit about the beginning of, I do think that to an extent I want the games to have clearly made an impact on the gaming landscape. I think that if you want to look at the fact, as much as I love Nier Automata and I think it's made an impact in a lot of ways, of course you can see that in it being platinum games like Savior of Sales. It's literally their best-selling game ever, which is fantastic. Um, I think that we've seen less immediate impact from Nier than what we saw from the last of us. And what I mean by that, and I'd be, I I would love to hear your rebuttal. If you think you have one, I kind Um, of do. It comes into the fact that the last of us uncharted had it before as well, but the last of us really brought in the idea of very cinematic, very, very narrative driven action adventure games. Well, that's my, that's actually my rebuttal there. What I mean is that you've seen more games clearly be influenced by The Last of Us than I think that you've seen clearly be influenced by Nier. And yeah. now in some sense, that, that, that just shows how much more unique Nier is. Well, that's, uh, that's, that's exactly my rebuttal, is that unique is such uh, more of a unique storytelling experience. Oh, that, Nier. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah Nier. What did I say? You said unique is such a unique <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, it's, yeah, Nier is such a unique storytelling experience compared to The Last of Us. In the sense that The Last of Us essentially, not saying it's a wrong thing or a bad thing, but they just lifted movie tropes and put them into a video game. And then that 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 is the start of where everybody said, oh, well, PlayStation games are more cinematic. I don't like that. And that's why I think that Nier is like one of my top games of the generation is because of the uniqueness of it. The replayability, in a sense, because it's kind of hard to go talk about that game in the way it is. But... um. Yeah, the, the themes that I talked about, the uh, problem solving in the game, the problems, the gameplay changes, the storytelling, everything was so much more dynamic. Where in The Last of Us, it was very predictable. It was very straightforward on, hey, you're going to play this game, but it's going to tell you a story just like a movie does. I don't like that in video games as much as I used to anymore. It's very rare that a game has me do that, where it the the story is interesting enough to stick with me. If Death Stranding's story wasn't as interesting as it was and as cool and unique and kind of original as it was, yeah. I would have not played that game. 
that's the thing. I actually agree. As much as I enjoyed Death Stranding, I, I think that that game, if you look at it from a pure gameplay perspective, you wouldn't play a game like that without a story. Yeah. Or most people would not. I mean, people did play Euro Trucker. <laughs> well, okay. And I want to say... That is a simulation it, again, game, though. It comes down to how much. Because at the same time, we can also talk about people who play No Man's Sky. A game with no yeah. story that, in a lot of ways, is not that different from That's Death different, Stranding. though, because that's kind of like Minecraft. A little bit. but and, yeah. that, and you're left up to your own devices in a much more creative way. But my thing is, is that... The reason lesser that, people is what I should say would would have played near. I mean, Death Stranding without a story. Yeah, lesser and, people would have enjoyed it all the way through. I should say. Yeah, and, and my my thing is is that's one of the reasons why I'm I am cautiously optimistic. Our favorite phrase here at Triangle Squared. Um, because, is our mic recording? I was making sure mine was. Is it? Yeah, we're good. Okay, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic about the sequel, just mainly due to you didn't start Wavecraft either. No, nope. craft doesn't matter now. But uh, we're riding on the fringe, baby. But we, <laughs> but mainly just because that Joel is the person I experienced the first game with, and if they kill Joel off early, I'm going to be very devastated because that's one of the main emotional reasons why I'm staying. Like, sure, I'm staying for Ellie, but it was Joel's hardship you went through and you stayed for in the first game versus Ellie. Ellie was an attribute uh, was an attribute to that, and it was a compliment to Joel's story. And it, realistically, The Last of Us, the original one, told the story of Joel. And the second one's telling the story of Ellie. I'm cool with that if Joel is in there as a supporting character. But if he's wiped from the game early yeah. on, I don't have a reason to go like keep playing. No, I understand. Um, and I get what you're saying because like we talked about with The Last of Us 2 coming up, I would really love to see, and some people may not like this because in a sense it would feel predictable, but I also think it would be a great idea of like, uh, you know, you're talking about how Star Wars prequels mirror some of the sequels. Um, the, the sequel trilogy, or not the, the the original trilogy, you see mirrors to that in the original trilogy on purpose. You mean the sequel trilogy has mirrors to the I, well, original I'm, trilogy? I, I'm not talking. Well, that happened too, but there's also plenty of mirrors or purposeful complete reversals from the prequel trilogy one, two, and okay, three, yeah. four, five, and six. Yeah, and that's on purpose. Um, but anyway, it's just much you, more blatant in the new ones. Yes, uh, but either what I mean by that is I actually really love to see stories sometimes go back and, and revisit an idea from a flip side, uh, and like you're talking about, I really do have a hope in the last of us too that we eventually get to a point i don't want it to just necessarily be because someone's injured or something like that but i really hope we have a reversal of getting to play as joel and one of the great things about the last of us and this might come off as spoilery but this is enough i'm, I'm willing to give it this much off in the last of us there's a section where you play as ellie mm -hmm. in her section she is far less able than Joel. She's more vulnerable. Uh, she's far more vulnerable. She does not have the skills he's had. He's, you know, from a lore standpoint, she's not been doing this for 20 years. She's a kid who's in a, over her head in a lot of ways and kind of doing this thing. So when you're playing as her, your ability to like uh, hear and see through the walls with the hearing thing uh, is very, very diminished. Um, you're constantly kind of, you can't take as many hits. It's a lot of things going on. Yeah. Um, Makes grounded difficulty. Yeah. So part. terrible. What I kind of want to see is now that the reversal is kind of going, Joel is already on the older side in the last of us uh seeing him be even older in this game it would be interesting if we kind of start seeing a point where we get to play as joel and we have the same it's thing the where same. ellie's now older See, that would be cool and she's more given and now joel's getting a little bit older and uh, towards the older side and now he's like well i can't do these it's, things as easily it's funny how you described that in the last of us <laughs> when that is the essential part b of near and that's one of the reasons i liked it so much was the opposite character oh excuse me i just burped in the oh the opposite perspective yeah the opposite character perspective yes but, Anyways, so enough near and Last of Us talk. Yes, uh, both fantastic games and both clearly. I, I'm actually a little surprised I didn't see Near Automata at all. Yeah, but I and don't get me wrong. I, I contemplated it. Part of it's from a sales standpoint. The Last of Us and The Witcher Three and Red Dead Two, three games Excuse we saw me. a bunch. Um, clearly sold a lot more than near as well as near sold it's going to be a game it's hard to get from a lot of people because people just didn't play it and some people did play it and they just liked the other ones more. It's not anything like that. It's just from a sheer perspective of numbers it was always going to be more people to say something like the witcher which has sold probably 20 million copies if not more at this point <laughs> or this, this winter's drama skin out I hate uh, it. i'm sorry so but uh <clears throat> yeah i debated near being up there with my game of the generation but i think that the one of the reasons why i picked the one i did was uh 
more meaningful in a sense. You know, I'm a little, I really, really wish that we get a, or hope I should say that we do get a, a near remake announcement coming from all that stuff going on with the, uh, yeah, I, do too. I really want to experience the first one. I, that was one of the games that I almost not, bought a PS3 again. For. If not, I almost want to let you borrow my extra PS3 in there and just send you with my copy of near to play. That would be cool. Because the thing about it is a lot of the stuff that you mentioned, liking and feeling unique are just as unique in automata. I'm not taking them away from that, but they are things that were already visited. Automata is like, Hey, what if we revisit the ideas of the original Nier and polish them up a little bit? Yeah. And um, the thing about the original Nier is even though some of the things are a little more rough around the edges, it's still very charming with the way that they chose to level out and do it. So if you ever get a chance to play the original Nier, a really, or a remake of it that tries to be at least somewhat true to what that game was, I think you'll enjoy it. Um, but let's, let's, moving ooh, on, I just kicked the real hard. Let's 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 get into the meat of things. I'm a, I'm I'm really really surprised. At, uh, to hear you say that the game that you thought was going to be in yours is ruled out. Yes. And I ruled now it you're out making me wonder what game it is. A solid reason. Well, I asked you what yours is first. Because I actually fine. have no idea what yours is. You have a you have a couple guesses for mine. I think I have a couple guesses for yours. Yeah, you do. I think I'm going to surprise you. Uh, and I think I'm going to surprise a lot of people. Because what mine... I, I, and I've been debating it as we've been talking to more if I want to stick with this one. And it is... Um, and it's technically two games by nature, but I'm going to go with one in particular because it's the one that actually had the biggest impact. Uh, there's a series that we talk about often on the show and have referenced often on the show, and of course Saul loves the series. Uh, and as much as I love them, I am not the kind of person like some of the other people in our groups are to replay them over and over constantly. But regardless of what that is saying, that does not diminish how much I love and how much of an impact that it clearly has had on gaming, and that game is Dark Souls. Wow. We uh, have the same game of the generation. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, so that is crazy. I'm, I'm really curious as to what your answers are. So my and and the thing is is I kind of want to give this to Demon Souls and it made me laugh cuz whenever I put 2009 in technically That's the game Demon I eliminated. Souls, That's the game I eliminated. Uh and the I wonder what your reasoning is. My 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 reasoning for why I was going to choose Demon Souls but I'm going to go ahead and default to Dark Souls uh since we're using 2000 uh, since we're really using 2010. We did not talk about this at all. This is really <clears throat> crazy. To 2019. Uh anyway, when you when you look at that I think that, that game it, it, by weird, weird nature, that game brought back a lot of older game design ideas and spruced it up with some newer game design ideas yeah. and also came out to be a thing of where when you play those games, I'm not trying to exist on this platter of, of, oh, hey, when you play these games, you're just inundated with so much story. No, you're not in the not in the straightforward sense. You're not. The games have got a lot of very interesting lore Sometimes you read the lore and you feel like you can understand exactly what's happening in the world. Sometimes you hear the lore or read it or see it or whatever, and then you also have this feeling. It's something that almost mirrors real life, right? Where you have so much information available at our fingertips in the real world, but all you're doing is constantly seeing snippets of information that are essentially, you're seeing it from somebody's, whether it's somebody's perspective or not, it was written through their bias. And the way I like to see the Dark Souls worlds are that you're seeing bits of lore that are written through somebody's bias. Yeah. And when you're looking at that, it means that you're trying to understand a world that is so much larger and so much bigger, and you're never going to be able to understand every aspect of it because it's trying to build a real world. And there is a lore tied into that world. And some of that lore is not even explored yet because it's not meant to be. It's meant to be a real world. No single person lives in their world and knows everything about their entirety of their world. What they know is what they've filtered through and seen and learned from a certain group of people. Some of those things are absolute truths. Some of them are objective truths. Some of them are subjective truths. When you're going through these things, I love that these games kind of mirror that. It's like you're just filtering through and seeing what you're going to learn. But really... What it comes down to, I love those games from a design aspect and everything, but going back into the thing of why I choose that game specifically and why I really kind of wanted to choose Demon's Souls is that throughout this last decade, there has been no other game that has been so influential to any other series or to any other games ever than the Dark Souls thing. To How a- many times have you seen a game say the uh, Dark Souls anime like code vein to have a calling card to describe games as that (sighs) game now our our reasoning is a little different than about than that sure um mainly because the the reason demon souls was initially mine oops and i've told the story before but if you're a newer listener essentially i 
I've always been a fan of PlayStation, but last gen I was much more of a fan than X uh, of Xbox than PlayStation. I did not have a PlayStation three until 2012 or 11. Um, and one of the reasons I got a PS three was that back in 2009, I got to play demon souls uh, on my brother's console when I played Metal Gear solid four and I didn't play enough of it, but I remember I liked it and I got really, really burnt out towards the end of the generation with the 360. Microsoft's E3 happened and it was just garbage and I didn't want to go forward with Microsoft anymore. So I thought, you know what? There are series on the PS3 that are going to be on the PS4 in terms of sequels, which there actually was not a lot of. And um, I'm going to hop in and play them all now. Demon's Souls I did replay to completion and I was like, or actually, no, I did not replay to completion. I replayed it until, um, ooh, I did replay it to a completion, actually. I'm, I, I just now got the last boss fight with that mixed up, and the boss fight of two for some reason mixed up. Well, the up. thing about Demon's Souls that may be confusing you a little, too, is that Demon's Souls is technically an unfinished game. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> like I'm, I'm trying to remember the area that you go into, and it, if I remember correctly, the last area of that game reminds me of Ash Lake from Dark Souls. Yeah, there's a lot of things, and that's, what, that, that's the fun part about choosing Dark Souls, is that it's got a lot of things that are mirrored from Demon's Souls, because it was essentially like, hey, you know, we had an exclusive game over here on PlayStation, just due to the, the fact that the Demon's Souls was not going to make it to market without PlayStation's intervention. Um, and of course, it ended up, everybody should be glad that it did, because it's the thing that got Dark Souls going. Um, and when you look at Dark Souls, and you see there's a lot of things that they did in Demon's Souls that they weren't able to do exactly to the level they wanted to, that they decided to revisit, change up a little bit, uh, or or even really just be homage to the original, uh, and really pull off a game that, outside of Blight Town's terrible, terrible performance, I think is a fantastic game. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and that's the, that's the funny thing, is that... Uh, I don't remember, refresh my memory, because it has been a long time since i played Demon's Souls. Uh-huh. Um, have... I don't remember there being a single spot in Demon's Souls that had the performance drop of Blight Town. But Demon's Souls is a yes, much simpler game. There was one. In terms of graphically, visually, and stuff like that. There was one that I remember. I don't know if this is exclusive, but I, I'm pretty sure it happened both times. Earlier on in the game, um, you go to uh, the... When you're still at the beginning of the Baltarian Castle? No, it's after Baltarian Castle. It's after the Phalanx fight. It's... um. It's the mechanical spider fight, but I can't okay. think of what that area is called. It's I, like a it's like a uh, a foundry or something. Yeah. Um, Again, I haven't played I, Demon Souls. Is actually the only one I've played multiple times, and the last few times I've done it, I haven't even beaten it. So I've played that game Just multiple time times constraints. technically, but the second time I really tried to play that mm. game, that's where I got invaded by a guy who had uh, the weapon breaking <laughs> armor, and he just broke all my weapon or all my armor and weapons and killed me. And I was like, I'm done with this. I'm not going to play this again. <laughs> that's when I picked up Dark Souls One. Um, but yeah, that was That's that. Good. I remember that having pretty bad performance hits there. But uh, the reason I'm going with Dark Souls One is that Dark Souls One has the charm that Demon Souls kind of lacked. Uh, even though there was charm in Demon Souls, Dark Souls had a charm and it was much more polished. Absolutely. In terms of a uh, of the same generation of a game, it was much more. It of was a, a finished, a polished game. game. Yeah. yeah, a little bit of history on Demon Souls for people that don't know. It was not. It was really from software was doing very badly. Sony came in, saw it, and said, "Hey, not only are we going to go ahead and and do the publishing for it, we'll kind of partially fund it. We're also going to bring in Studio Japan to be backup developers to kind of just help you get this to a state to where we can ship it." Yeah, uh, and, and that's why you have a, a partially unfinished game, kind of ugly UI. There's parts of the game that feel a little less fleshed out than others, and the wild thing about that is, is that somehow that doesn't take away from any of the game to me, outside of the fact that, like Saul said. I don't know that I use the word charm, but it's almost like Demon Souls and Dark Souls to me share the same charm. One of them just has a little bit more polish. And a lot of that comes down to things like UI elements being far more refined and, and made sense. Like, dude, the UI in Demon's Souls is the so re- bad. The reason I say that the, it is, it is very bad. Um, <laughs> the reason I say charm is there the way that the characters talk and stuff and both the games are so similar. Yeah. But the, re- the, the charm about Dark Souls to me is the environment and, and in the complete... 360 circle of a world that that is where you start off uh, pretty much in firelink shrine and then you can go down up left right anywhere you will end up back there there's yeah. shortcuts to get back to that yeah. area firelink almost ends up being the hub of this world right without and, low yeah. without traveling technically i yes. mean you can bonfire travel later in the game but yeah technically it's but yeah, not like demon souls it's an, where, it's an, it's an open-ended world yeah where everything is coming back to like you said no load windows you're just gonna that's eventually the charm come back to of, a that's, home. that's where the charm gets 
gets me there yeah. is that it doesn't feel like a Ninja Gaiden game or yes. something like that, a Devil May Cry game. Yeah. It feels like it's Souls... much more of an adventure than, a, than I'm selecting a mission. Where Demon Souls felt more like selecting a mission. Which this is what's interesting about uh, Dark Souls 3 to me. Excuse me. Dark Souls 3 kind of brought back a little bit more of the Demon Souls style progression where it looks like, where technically you're right, you can always go back to everywhere, and but you're going to do things that feel like, oh, suddenly the game puts you through this, which brings you to a portable, now you're on top of this castle. And I don't even mean from the castle view. What I yeah. mean by that is it felt like this is this, this feels disjointed, and even though it wasn't in the long run, this felt disjointed from the rest of the world where there was never a time in Dark Souls 1 where I felt like I was going somewhere and it felt like I'd suddenly changed to a completely different environment. Everything felt like, oh, I'm naturally... And actually, Bloodborne has the same thing as Dark Souls to me, uh, Dark Souls 1, where you're rolling through. And Bloodborne, of course, I almost chose it because it's like the epitome of all this to me together. Yeah. But I never really noticed that. But yeah, like there isn't really an environment in Dark Souls that is just a drastic change. Well, and, and, I, and I don't mean like it happens that snow. quickly. What happens is... But because that's a, that's a different world you're going to. Because of the way that the game sends you there, you see it gradually happen. I will say, what whereas is, in in, the, in Dark Souls three, when you first go to the castle, you're just suddenly at the castle, and it's like, whoa, what? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I mean, but my thing with that though is, is that what is really, really good about Dark Souls three, which is another one of the games that I almost wanted to make the list, but I feel like Dark Souls one was it's a more, series, more, you know? yeah, it was more it's, it's influential. Um, was that? In Dark Souls 3, it, it, it borrows heavy elements from both Demon's Souls and Dark Souls 1. Yes. But it, does it, it doesn't feel as shut off as Demon's Souls is because the hub world is closed off. Where yes. The hub world is kind of closed off in Dark Souls 3, or it kind of is. But when you are out and about in the rest of the world, you can see almost every major location at a distance in yes. certain parts of the map. Yes. Uh, and part of that comes down to scale. Dark Souls yes. 3 was able to be a much bigger game than the other. That's why I want Demon's Souls remade so much, is that... Um, it's a game that deserves it. it. It it needs its UI scaled down and polished, and it needs um the jump button taken out, and I it really, needs a lot of things. I really like what you said oh, about yeah. the first uh, Dragon Bridge in Demon Souls had bad problems. The very first Dragon Bridge hmm. of the of the of the series. You know what? I still have my PS3. I can go get Demon Souls in any day. I think it was a PS Plus title. I may We're going to GameStop after this. Get it there if they have it. Well, I wonder if it's on. What I'm wondering, I wonder if it's on PS now. I don't know that it is. I'm gonna almost no. It, look. It's absolutely not. No, I know. it's Okay, because the reason I was wondering is I wonder if it performed better on a server-based PS. I would. I would have already downloaded PS now if it was on there. I, <laughs> I remember looking for that. I remember looking for that in Dark Souls One before Dark Souls One was remastered. Interesting. Okay, yeah, unless well, they added it since then because it's been um, a year. It is weird that we ended up on the same one. I thought I was going to blow everybody's mind, which I guess technically I blew your mind. <laughs> yeah, you did blow my mind. Um, which but hopefully I hopefully I surprised someone. I really thought on this a lot because there's a lot of games. I know the, the Witcher 3 is a game that I do love. I think there's so much about The Witcher 3 that I want to actually give it credit for, and I'll do it real quick. I, I mentioned it a lot of when you look at a game like The Witcher 3 and it comes out so shortly, or technically, I'm sorry, Fallout 4 came out after The Witcher 3. When you look at something like that and you see The Witcher 3 come out and be one of the first next-gen Western RPGs that has a clear style, and it's not the same type of game as Fallout, so I'm not trying to compare that. But when you look at what the game did, even though there was some bugs, they decided to come back. And, and I mean, you know, they, they have done great support. We talk about community support. You know, we talk with, uh, with Re uh, Rainbow Six Siege. Uh, this is a game that constantly had people coming back and saying, this is what we're going to do. To, all the way to the end that a game that came out before Fallout 4 got an Xbox One X and PS4 Pro patch when Fallout 4 did not. When you look at that, it comes back to go, okay, this is a group and a community that, first of all, is really thankful for the fans that they gained from this and decided to keep giving them stuff with free DLC for so long that they did and then coming back and doing multiple performance patches to make sure that everything gets cleaned up and then not alone just to put out a patch for improved gameplay uh, across the newer systems. It's a great story. When you look at it, my main thing that I love about it is it brought the idea of a Western-made RPG into the next gen when Fallout so badly failed at doing that, uh, in my opinion. I'm not saying Fallout 4 was just a terrible game. I beat it. It was just forgetful. I did, I, you know, it's, it's, it's a forgettable game. Uh, and when you really think back about it, I, very, I remember so little about it, and it was a game that was so rough, and it showed that there are other people that can come into a, a, a genre uh, and really show you something new and interesting. And that game has so much lore, so big. The only load window in that entire game is when you go to Skellige, and that is awesome. And Skellige's huge on its own. It's bigger than some games. I didn't even get there. It, it, but that's my thing. It, it's, it's just, it is a wild example of game. Uh, and has such great stories. It did a lot of what I actually, I'll, I'll give it credit. Skyrim did this to a slightly lesser extent, and I think The Witcher did it to an even better extent. Um, 
is the idea of giving you side content that really can matter and really does matter and has its own unique story arcs that don't necessarily matter with anything else, but they flesh out and build a world. Much like I was talking about with the lore and, and demons and Dark Souls, you're just getting to see more and more of a world that you're never going to see all of, but it makes it feel more believable in the sense. And yeah. I do love that game. We've already talked about why The Last of Us is good and why I do love it and why Nier is good and why I do love it. So... Near was when Nier was a contender and Bloodborne was a contender too. But the original Nier was almost more of a contender than Automata, but really Automata is the better game. But the original Nier has such a, I'm telling you, man, it's I really want you to play it because you, I, I have a feeling that you're going to be. Like, I'm really hoping that that's going to get. We're going to get news. I, I'll say this: if if we don't have news by it, I would say by next year then I'd probably play it. It's worth playing but at that point, yeah. We want to know what you guys thought of our games, and if you enjoyed it, these games. We know a big big part of our fans uh, enjoy our games, and so we've, we've talked about I know about a couple people who... I'm actually really surprised that Blake didn't have uh, Dark Souls. Yeah. I, I'm not surprised he went with Red Dead either. I, I did pick up Dark Souls on the Switch, too, which... That it plays, I don't know what it is. It's the same exact control layout. It feels weird, on, for some reason, on the Switch. When you're done with it, you should let me borrow it. You know how long it's been since I played Dark Souls? I bought it digitally. <laughs> but I, I always forget about that. I, I could just let you buy my Switch Lite at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to do that. <laughs> well, after today, I won't, I'll, it'll be chilling for a while anyway. So, yeah. Uh, but, Anyway, uh, yeah, we got other stuff going on, but we appreciate you guys. Uh, hope you had a good episode. Hope you have a good Christmas. Of yes, course, this is our... Be safe. This be is our merry. pre-Christmas episode. We're still going to leave this stuff up for the next episode just to have fun with it because, you know, you're not supposed to take the tree down between Christmas and New and Year's. January apparently. 1st, yeah. And we'll be recording <laughs> on... Um, Thursday. So we'll be recording yeah, well, the day I'm after Christmas. Yeah, i the date. That would be 26th. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it'll still be Christmassy around here. So Yeah. But, but we thanks everybody for uh, tuning in and having a good Christmas, and we'll see you guys back for episode 144. Yep. And, and, and we're going to be in, in 2020. Pretty much, yeah. We, Thank you, we've guys. made it, boys. A full 10 years. <laughs> thanks, guys. Thanks to our patrons, Dan Barber, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Douglas Below, Sean Santarude, Eric McAllister, Matt Sycamore, Funk Turkey, Danny Villobos, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanland, Coy Live, Philip Laguerre, Corey Hickerson, Solitary Red, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, Dylan Kirby, and Sam Coffin. If you'd like to support the show, go over to patreon.com slash nartech and see what we got. Thanks. <laughs>